Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more, sir. Robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. We're all the dude, man. We are all the dude. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you. It's 11 o'clock this afternoon. If you missed hour one, you can find it on the... uh, Website, 1080thefan.com and the radio.com app. As you always can, the Les Schwab Tires podcast after the show, you can uh, find it also. It's posted on Twitter at 1080thefan. We talked some baseball in London. We talked a little bit of the dunes of Pacific City, and we got into the signings that we know are going to happen when free agency opens, or at least that have been reported free agency opens in the NBA later on this afternoon. Remember, you can hear Brandon Sprague and Jason Quick from 3 to 5 today right here on The Fan as they break down all sorts of stuff and see what the Blazers do. And that is what we will be getting to here in this next segment or two is the Blazers. So let's start with the trade that happened earlier this week. I forgot it actually happened this week. Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner, straight up, happened with the Hawks. E.T. goes to the goes to the Hawks who said they needed another ball handler and they needed a leader. Bazemore comes to the Blazers who need a better three-point shooter in that role, which is what Bazemore is. And both are on the last year of their deals. Both make a lot of money. So it, it was kind of a wash salary cap-wise, which is why it worked so easily, just one for one. But I think there's two ways you can look at this. You can be happy that you got Kent Bazemore, who two years ago was almost a 40% three-point shooter, dipped a bit last year. He's athletic. He's kind of a perfect fit for a Blazer team that needs guys who can play multiple positions and can shoot the three. They need more weapons from the three-point line. That fits way more than Evan Turner did. And it's a good, solid one-to-one trade that will help this year. That's the positive way to look at it. If you're a more negative Blazer fan, you can look at it and say, I really wanted the Blazers to use the Evan Turner contract along with maybe Myers or Moe in a first-round pick or a young player to go out and make that big splash trade for Griffin or Kevin Love, who keeps getting mentioned with the Blazers, uh, all sorts of big names out there. I tend to lean to the former, that it was a positive move. 
Um, part of me in the back of my head wanted them to use the ET contract in a big trade just because I know it's valuable for expiring deals. But I think Bazemore gives you a lot of what you were missing last year as long as he is playing at the top of his game. And we've seen guys who have struggled instantly play better in Terry Stott's system with the coaching staff around them. So I'm hoping that last year's Kent Bazemore performance was a bit of a dip, a bit of an outlier, and he can kind of get back to that two-year-ago form where he was an elite three-point shooter. Well, the good news about that is, as, as to your point, um, is Bazemore already gives you more than Evan Turner gives you. They give they play about the same amount of minutes. Uh, Bazemore it gives you 11.5 points, you know, close to 12. You mentioned last year he shot 39% from three. Uh, he gonna, he's going to give you more rebounds. He's going to give you more assists. Uh, he's going to give you more steals. Like, every, really, across the board, he is a better player than Evan Turner is right now. There was a time when Evan Turner was a very good player when he played for, I want to say it was Indiana, and he averaged, you know, close to 18 points a game. You know, I think that was the Evan Turner that a lot of us thought we were going to get here in Portland. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out like that. However, you'd be crazy not to give E.T. credit for his work in the playoffs. Now, while he didn't play a lot, the few games that he played, especially in the Denver series where he Kinda didn't score. single-handedly won them that Denver game yeah, seven. But w- w- really without and, – and the game six, you know, didn't score, but still was able to really control the game. I think that's the player that he is, you know, at the core that, you know, is able to score in small pockets, small windows. Somebody like Bazemore is going to be a guy that's going to have, you know, a few 20-point nights for you. You know, he's going to have a, a – a, a, I, I wouldn't – I could see him, depending on his playing time, being a guy that still averages about anywhere from 10 to 13 points a game, you know, for the Blazers. I think that would be a solid output for somebody like Bazemore. And then, again, the one thing the Blazers have really been needing is the the quintessential 3 and D guy, somebody that could knock down that corner three, knock down that, uh, that three from the wing, and also lock down on whomever your other team's best – you know, offensive that, players. That's the one thing I don't know. Is Bazemore considered a good defender, a top defender, ba- an average defender? Bazemore is a, is a is a very good defender. He's considered one of the you know. I know uh, he's, he's athletic. A, he's definitely a three and D guy. So he's yeah. Going back to college, he was he was a two time uh, conference defensive player of the year at Old Dominion, and that's that's what he came in the league hanging his hat on was his defense. He started the, with the Warriors, right? Two years. Yeah, ago. yeah, and then the the offense came a little bit later, but he. He started with defense, then started working on his offense. So he is a guy that's going to come in and be able to be a lockdown perimeter type of guy. Uh, so it's an expiring contract, which, again, it doesn't set you back at all by acquiring him. You're in the same spot you were with Evan Turner. At the end of the year, it'll be off the books if you want to clear cap space and make runs at next year's free agents. Uh, but it, I think the rule is you can you can then trade him again after two months. I'm not sure if that's two months into the season or two months after the signing, but I saw 60 days out there. So even in the middle of the season, let's say that someone becomes available for you and Bazemore's expiring deal is, is a positive for them, although I, th- I, don't, I don't know if they would trade him. I think they like what he can do this year, and you also have other expiring deals. You might be able to trade him again to try to get a big-name player. We don't know who that's going to be, and that's the one thing, too, is I think a lot of Blazer fans, me included in this, I thought you were going to see some big, splashy moves in the offseason, but that's not necessarily when you need to see them. You got the trade deadline. You've got later in the year where you still will have those expiring deals and teams will be more desperate to get out from under bad contracts if they're bad, right? If the Pistons aren't very good and they're just looking at that Blake Griffin contract and going, oh, my God, please help us, maybe you can get Blake Griffin for less 
because it's at that point in the season and they just want to offload the contract, excuse me, take some expiring deals and move on. So he could also be used in that, although I'm not sure that he will. No, probably not. You know, again, I think Baysmore kind of fills a need that the Blazers uh, have right now. You know, you did lose a Rodney Hood. You know, you, you're losing a lot of your bench uh, production with losing Cantor. Now, there's some talks that, you know, Cantor, you may get him to, to, to stay. But, you know, those are just talks at this point. So you don't know anything. Uh, you lost some of your three-point shooting when you lost Seth Curry. So I think there are some holes that this team needs to fill. And just to start, Bazemore is, I think, is is a great addition for to filling some of those holes. Coming up next, let's get into some of the other news and notes we've seen around the Blazers. Nothing has been official. Nothing has, has been deemed a legitimate report. It's just a bunch of guesses and teams tied to certain players. Let's dive into that. And the Anders Cantor thing is interesting. We all thought he was gone. We all thought he would take w- way more money. And that still could be the case. But a report about the Celtics and Ennis Cantor, I think, gives Blazer fans some hope, if they want him back, that he could return to Portland. That's next here on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten seventeen here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you for another 45 minutes. Talking a little Blazers in free agency as it will open up in about five hours from now. Remember Sprague and Jason Quick will have a two-hour special right here on the fan three to five as free agency opens. Talking about all the signings and if the Blazers get anything done right away, what will happen there. One of the big questions for the Blazers is what to do with Al Farouk Aminu. There is a report from Alex Kennedy that says... Aminu was drawing interest from Brooklyn, Philly, Orlando, San Antonio, the Clippers, the Rockets, and the Pacers. And to me, if that is the case, it is, in my opinion, a foregone conclusion that he's gone. Because the Blazers don't want to pay him more than about 10, maybe 11 mil a year. And if all of those teams are interested in him, I have a feeling that you're going to get a lot of a bidding war and that will jack the price up a little bit. Plus, I think his camp is asking for more in the in the range of 12 to 14 mil a year. I'm not sure the Blazers will want to touch that. And if, th- if that's the case, if I'm reading into this right, if I'm reading between the lines correctly, I think Al Frucamino is likely gone this offseason unless he chooses to stay in Portland for less. Cool. You, you okay with that? <laughs> cool, yes. I mean, listen, uh, Aminu is one of those guys that we all kind of see the skill that he has. We know what he could be capable of, but he's never been able to put all those tools together at one time. And when he does put all those tools together at one time and he has a pretty good game, you're like, man, okay, uh, Aminu can be a, a hard a hard cover. But when he doesn't, it's like, man, get him out of the game. There were times in the playoffs, especially in the conference final, he didn't play. He was on the bench just because he he couldn't really contribute. He would start the game, but then towards the fourth quarter, you wouldn't see Aminu anymore. I think that could be you know a problem. So for me, I'm I'm good with seeing uh, Aminu go. It's I think he's he's like he's Travis Outlaw. He's essentially uh, and really 
he's a, a, a worse version of Travis Outlaw. And as a Blazer fan, for, for, for me, for you know over 20 years, man, hey, man, Travis Outlaw used to get on my damn nerves just by the, the, the type of game that he played and the, the bonehead things he would do. Sometimes that's Aminu, just out there looking lost a lot of the time. So I'm okay with it. Um, while I don't think there's a lot of players that are like Dame and CJ, I do think there's a lot of Aminus in the NBA. So uh, I don't think that'll be as hard of a, of a gap uh, to kind of fill for them. The only thing, I'll play a little devil's advocate here because I also am, I'm, my actual opinion is I don't really care. Like I, like I like some of the aspects of his game. I like his defense. You know, occasionally he's the only guy who can guard certain guys on the court, and that's really, really important to have. But his flaws cost the Blazers more games, in my opinion, than his strengths Absolutely. win them games. And he's either on with the three-point shot or completely off, and there's really no in-between. He's either hitting five or none. Um, but devil's advocate-wise, from what I've heard, he's one of the best culture guys in that locker room in terms of, you know, they want to keep the culture going and, you heard both Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor talk about it this year, how it was the best organization they've ever seen, best culture they've seen in the NBA. You want to keep that going. Now, I'm not saying it's him. That's the reason it's happening. But he's a big part of it. And I'm not sure you want to lose that. He also does have a versatility to him that is very helpful. Maybe you don't want him to be the starter, but you love the ability of him to play defense on a 3-4-5 or, hell, even a guard. He's just a good defender. Now, of course, that is replaceable. There are other good defenders. But at his price, if he wants to stay for cheaper, I don't know if you if you say no to taking a great defender who can also who, who has been improving as a three-point shooter for 10 mil a year. Like, that doesn't seem that bad for him, right? It, it, it doesn't seem that bad for him. And I think one of these teams is going to really pony up and probably give him a, a little bit more than that, just considering the climate of the NBA and then also considering what some of these teams need. You look at a team like Houston, I think he could fit in really well with Houston. Why? Because I don't think he'd be asked to do as much for the Rockets that he was asked to do for the Blazers. You know what I mean? He's not going to be asked to really uh, be a, a huge, you know, 3 and D guy or anything like that. He's just going to be asked to go out there and kind of do his part for the few minutes he's on the floor. He's not going to start. Aminu's not a starter. So he's not going to go there uh, and be a part of the starting lineup. However, he can be somebody that off the bench could be a huge help to a whole lot of teams. So what were some of those teams you mentioned? I heard, I heard Houston and Indiana. Outside of that, I, didn't, I don't really remember any of the other teams. Uh, you've got Orlando, Houston, Indiana. No, Houston wasn't on this list. Oh, okay. Yes, they were. Sorry. Okay. Brooklyn, Philly, Orlando, San Antonio, Clippers, Houston, Indiana. Those are, those are the guys. So I could see him fitting in well with uh, uh, with San Antonio, just considering his game and the way Popovich likes to coach. Uh, obviously, the, I could see him fitting in well with with Houston and what they're trying to do. Uh, Indiana is a work in progress, so he'd go there. He probably averaged some more points, but they wouldn't win much. So I could definitely see him They'll going to Oladipo back though. They'll get old, but I, I, from everything I've seen, it might take a little longer for Oladipo to be back on the floor. So probably not at the beginning of the season, but as the season progresses. So I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. Aminu's not weak. He's just not complete. I just and think Blazer, just, fans, yeah. Blazer fans hate him more than he should be hated. Because you see it all the time. Well, I know, but for what you signed him for, which was peanuts, by the way, um, what he's given you in return is is way over the value that you got him for. So I do think there should be an appreciation of him, despite the fact that he can't hold on to the ball and you know 90% of the time his dribbles bounce off his foot. And I understand it's frustrating to watch. He does give you a lot for how much you had been paying him. 
So I, I, like I said, I think he's gone, and I am okay if he's gone. But just Blazer fans love to bash the guy. I think he's been more valuable than people like to think. I think when you're a starter, there's a certain expectation of where where you should be and and how good you should actually be. I think if Aminu came off the bench, nobody would he wouldn't be bashed as as, as much, you know. But the fact that he starts every game, um, just kind of it makes it difficult to ignore, you know, all the all the deficiencies with his game a lot of the time. So not necessarily deficiencies, but the fact that it just he's never really able to put it all together. Like, and you'll see small flashes, like, okay, that's a helpful. Was it the playoffs a couple of years ago against Golden State when I think he had like seven threes or eight threes in the game or something stupid like that? Like, he can give you that once, but then he won't make another three-pointer for the next six games. Like, it's it's small things like that that I think people look at Blazer fans because we get to see it. Because when you're on the national stage and you come out and you score 13, yes, everybody thinks that you're great. But because we see the games against Sacramento and the games against, uh, I don't know, the the Nets and, you know, you see them go 0 for 7, yeah, those are the games that you look at and say, man, this, this guy bothers me. In terms of Ennis Cantor, teams that have been tied to him include the Blazers. Lakers, Celtics, Bulls, Clippers, and Kings thus far. But the most interesting note comes from Shams. And his his report was the Celtics are pursuing bigs with their $4.8 million room exception, such as Ennis Cantor and Kevin Looney, or Kevon Looney, sources said. $4.8 million exception. Guess who has a little more than that? The Blazers have a $5.3 million mid-level exception, which could go up if they clear salary to $9 million. Um, and be used to kept one of or to keep one of the two players that they have that they want to keep in Rodney Hood or in Ennis Cantor. If that is the case, and Cantor is considering taking that much money, go bring him back for the one year five point three mil or more if you want, because you don't know when Nurk is going to Nurk is going to come back healthy. Cantor has expressed interest in coming back. Obviously, he has his deficiencies, but so would everybody that you would bring in temporarily to fill in for Nurkic. And as you saw in the playoffs, he did prove to be a better defender than we all thought. He wasn't great, but he proved proved to be better. And offensively, he was a force. I think for one year, that would be the smartest signing to steady the ship while you wait for Nurk to come back. Because the other option is you're starting Myers at the five, right? Because they're envisioning Zach Collins as their Myers starting Myers had four. 30 in, his, in that game. What do you mean? Myers at the five would be great. Look, he would do a, a fine that's, enough that's sarcasm. job. If, well, I know he did have a great game though. He would do a fine enough job. But you would just hope that Nurk would come back in December and not March, right? I think bringing Cantor back would be huge just for the stability of this team, as they try to take advantage of a Western Conference that's wide open this year. So if he if he's willing to take that kind of thing, if the Celtics are interested in only giving him that much, then maybe his value isn't as high as we thought it would be. Although there are a bunch of teams who are interested, so we could be wrong. Try to get him back on your mid-level. So of those two guys, Rodney Hood and Enos Cantor, you would keep Cantor? Yes, because you just signed Bazemore, which I feel like, although Hood is is good and was helpful, is kind of filling that Rodney Hood role. You need a big until see, Nurkic comes back. See, I would probably take Hood just for the simple fact that you are more than likely losing Aminu. Um, you are, you've lost Evan Turner, so you've lost everything from that three position at that point, man, you're gonna need, you know, some perimeter defenders, some bodies oh, just drafted at that Nasir point. Little. You uh, did just draft Nasir Little, um, and you're hoping that he comes in immediately and he's able to be that guy. But, you know, if not, then you're you're definitely gonna need one of those guys. And Rodney Hood, say what you will, man, he gets buckets and he was able to come in at a lot of, you know, times and just able to, you know, get a quick bucket for the Blazers. So 
Um, he's probably the guy that I would want, but I understand in the absence of Nurkic why he would go big. I, I got to go with, with Lynch on this one. When you think about especially what happened to the Warriors and now everybody's thinking at the West is being wide open next year for all the teams that are good enough to make a run, you, you got to think about what's the biggest need. And when you think about if you – with the loss of Nurkic, you, you have an extreme need there because – um, with getting rid of Aminu, you're also probably expecting Collins to take that next step, be your starting four. I think that's the expectation is unless there's a big trade in the works, Collins will be your starting four. Exactly. They want him to play the four, not the five. Although right. he said he likes to play center. He, he, I think, is better suited for the four. Right. And so they want him at the four. Uh, you've addressed the three. You've addressed the loss of Evan Turner instantly by getting a guy who's supposed to fit a little bit better with what we do. You got Nasir Little, who's a guy I guarantee you want to try to get on the floor and see what he can do at points this season. Seth Curry, you've taken care of um, already. Um, He was actually, they probably wanted to get him out the door anyways. And so you think about it, the real need is that center position. Enos Cantor not going to make what he was expecting to make after all that money that we thought he was going to make. We don't know. if, yeah, if it's, he's it's, available for the mid-level, then the, yes. The tea leaves are basically saying the money's not going to be there for him. Um, and, and with that, because he's probably not going to go to L.A. He's probably, I mean, I see maybe like a, a place like Boston liking him, but uh, he fits here. He knows what's what's up here. And honestly, I think I, it's one of those things. I've said this before, the, that kind of backdoor negotiations. If you come here, you play for the mid-level this year, we'll take care of you next year. And... Um, and that is by far in a, a West that's wide open next year for for a team that apparently is good enough to make a run. You need a big man. You need a big man. You've addressed the three. You need a big man. Uh, one other thing that I saw was that Taj Gibson, T-Wolves Taj Gibson, former Bulls Taj Gibson is a free agent, and the Blazers are one of many teams expected to have some interest in him. Again, that would be good because you need bigs. Right now you're very thin at the front court. And he could play a great, great backup four behind Zach Collins. He's a good defender. He's a gritty player. Everyone, Every team needs that kind of a guy. And I think Taj Gibson would fit that role if you sign him to a short, cheap deal. I love Taj Gibson. Always have. He's an energy guy. He's a veteran, which is something that I think a young team who's, you know, I think the Blazers' average age is, what, 27, 28? Getting a little bit older. But yeah, yeah, a little older. But I think a guy like Taj Gibson who uh, has some experience in playing with some really talented guards you know uh namely one mvp and derrick rose um he can be somebody that can help out immensely as far as making sure this team gets uh to the next level and at least kind of hold the fort until uh nurkic is really able to be back and and healthy and ready to go so we will see what happens if the blazers do anything immediately or if we have to wait a couple of days remember free agency is only free agency if i can speak is only opening right now uh not ending right now so three o'clock is when it begins and you can hear brandon sprague and jason quick right here on the fan with a two-hour special three to five o'clock coming up next it's time for hate it or love it some controversy based around last week's edition of hate it or love it yeah. because of the lightning round at the end yeah and then uh we will get to that and wrap up the show after that but first jesse S. sports
Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. That looked painful. Yet another missed foul ball attempt by Michael Chavis, the first baseman, because of the hundreds and hundreds of yards of foul territory in London. Uh, by the way, we have not updated you because, well, it, we only talked about it in the second segment. It was 4-2 Red Sox. It's now, what was it, 12-4 Yankees? Yeah. So... Yankees are hitting dangers all over the place. Well, they man. only hit one this game, but it, it extended the streak of consecutive games with a home run to 31, and they scored nine runs in the last inning because the Red Sox bullpen is horrific. But yeah, it's a lot of fun to beat the Red Sox really bad. It really is. But they're currently the defending World Series champs, so they can still have that. That's okay. Uh, <clears throat> Yankees at 27. All right, Jesse, what do you got for us on this fine, beautiful Sunday how are you going to make up for, I guess, a controversial hate it or love it last week? Well, I'm just going to throw a bunch of NFL at you. As, you know, why not? Why not? Got to ramp up. It's We're uh, approaching that that two months until NFL season. Kinda. I did see they released the dates of training camp, and I think it's happening, what, early August or yeah. late, late July? Yeah. So yeah. We're, getting, we're getting close to that. We're getting close. They're doing the NFL countdown where they like to be like, I think one I saw the other day was like a 79-yard touchdown reception for 79 days until football season. And so the countdown has begun, which I like because typically they find fun little plays and stuff that uh, you get to see. Anyways, I obviously thought I would mix things up since it's been a very NBA-heavy episode. And I uh, thought I came up with some good topics. So we're going to start with... Uh, okay, now... Off air, I was telling you guys about some of the longest runs by each franchise in their history. And um, one of the ones was the Oakland Raiders' longest run in franchise history was actually by a quarterback, not by a running back. And that was Terrell Pryor. So before he switched to a running back. Before he switched to a wide receiver, correct. Um, And I believe that was his rookie year after they took him in the supplemental and everything. Uh, With that said... Uh, last year, we saw a guy in Lamar Jackson go out there, and he was kind of a run-first quarterback. And then this year, taking number one overall in the draft, he got like a five-foot-nothing Kyler Murray taken, who's supposed to be just absolutely electric with his feet. Love or hate, Kyler Murray will have more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson this upcoming season. More rushing touchdowns than touchdowns. Lamar Jackson. Um. I'm going to say I'm going to say hate on that one, because from what we saw last year, the Ravens built the offense entirely, entirely around Lamar Jackson running the football because he really couldn't throw the ball very well. Now, I'm not saying he will not get better at throwing the football, but even if he does improve, it's not going to lead to a ton of passing yards for him in that offense, whereas I think Kyler Murray can throw the ball. He obviously is a good running quarterback, but we saw a lot of him passing last year at Oklahoma. And I think you're going to see that once again uh, in Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury, I'm curious what his offense is going to look like. I feel like it's going to be very, very unique to the NFL, but he's also going to have to change his offense to the NFL because it's different. He can't run what he runs in college, which is kind of an air raidy system. Uh, But even if it's close to that, it's going to be a lot of passing for for Kyler Murray. And I think Lamar Jackson will clearly outrush him touchdown-wise because that's all he's going to be able to do. Um, 
Uh, I hate it. Um, last year, the Arizona Cardinals had one of the worst offensive lines in all of football. Uh, to my knowledge, I haven't seen much uh, much news, but I'm not sure where they've upgraded offensive line. The Ravens actually had a really pretty solid offensive line. Um, they're able to do some stuff, and that means that they're able to protect uh, Lamar Jackson just a little bit longer than they're able to protect Kyler Murray. Um, unlike everybody else, I think Lamar Jackson can improve as a passer. I think I, I'd still remember a guy that won the Heisman uh, as a junior, uh, and like Lynch said, man, he passed the ball an awful lot when he was at Louisville and ran the ball an awful lot when he was at Louisville. And then when he and then uh, got much better his second year and probably should have won the Heisman for a second time because his numbers as a passer, as a runner, were actually very good. I look at a kid uh, in Kyler Murray who they still have a lot of doubts about. What's going to happen? Is he going to be able to see over uh, bigger offensive linemen in the league? And what's going to happen from there? I think Kyler is going to be an amazing athlete. Uh, however, I think a year in the league already for Lamar Jackson kind of gives him an opportunity to kind of feed off defenses just a little bit better. And like I said, his offensive line is set up uh, to protect him a little bit more than it's set up for Kyler. All right. Uh, we had some drama in Pittsburgh last season, obviously, with Lavian Bell, Antonio Brown. Uh, which had Lavian Bell go to New York and Lavian Brown to Oakland, where he's going to play with uh, Derek Carr. I almost said David, but Derek Carr. You said Lavian Brown, though. Uh, well, that's that's not. Lavian Bell to the Jets. Uh, yes, Lavian Bell to the Jets. Antonio Brown Antonio to Brown. Oakland. There you go. Uh, there we go. We'll, we'll get something right at some point. Uh, with that said. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's the number one in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown, the number one in Oakland. Love or hate, Juju Smith-Schuster will have more receiving yards than Antonio Brown this upcoming season. Oh, I love that. Just because the Steelers' offense is way better. I mean, he he showed last year that he was better than Antonio Brown was. Now, Antonio Brown's still a great receiver, but as he ages, he's going to lose a step, which we saw last year, and he's, he's now going to... I think he's going to realize the grass is not always greener. Derek Carr is not better than Ben Roethlisberger. Derek Carr is not going to find him open the way that Ben Roethlisberger threw him open in Pittsburgh. And the offensive scheme under John Gruden is not going to be exactly the same either. It's going to be kind of old-fashioned, which I don't think you saw in Pittsburgh very often. I know Pittsburgh tends to appear as an old-fashioned team, but offensively, they were very, very modern in the way that they, they played football. So I think Smith-Schuster will, maybe not clearly, but I, I think it is a clear answer that he will outgain Antonio Brown through the air this year. Uh, are we talking overall or just this year? Just this year. This year. Oh. This coming season. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, I think Juju Smith-Schuster just happens to be in a little bit of a better situation because he has a better quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger last year led the NFL in passing yards. Uh, he's the best deep ball thrower in the entire NFL. So uh, I don't think there's anybody better at putting the ball on a, on the money. Uh, on a deep ball better than Ben Roethlisberger. And when you have a guy uh, like Juju Smith-Schuster, is more of, a, I guess, more of a uh, possession guy, but still he was able to get 1,400 yards this year and seven touchdowns. Antonio Brown in a down year, you were talking about, Lynch, 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. You know what I'm saying? And that's with losing a step. That's how good Antonio Brown is. The whole fact of the matter is receiver is the one position in all of football that's completely predicated on someone else. We know for a fact that Ben Roethlisberger is a much better passer than uh, – the, what's his name? Jeez Louise. Derek Carr. Thank you. No, it's not Derek. Is it Derek? Yeah, it is Derek Carr. Jeez Louise, it's Derek Carr. Yes, I'm thinking someone else. Don't worry about it. Don't judge me. But I do think he's a much better passer than Derek Carr. 
that in, in itself is kind of an, an issue because quarterback has to get the receiver the ball. If he's not able to get the receiver the ball or if he's able to if he starts crying like he did in the playoffs a few years, that might be bad for uh, for everybody. And especially when Antonio Brown doesn't get his way, that doesn't necessarily bode well with a lot of quarterbacks either. So did you, did I think you hear the time is running out. No, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no, I, I think, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I pushed that like 30 seconds. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, Juju is definitely going to have more yards than. Uh, jerk <laughs> I, I, I pressed that oh you're worry. a jerk <laughs> definitely gonna have more yards touchdowns i don't know i think antonio brown that's where he shines all right going into the third round uh rashad is leading 10 to 9 all right uh do you want to go to san francisco or seattle let's go to san francisco all right uh well last year uh there was a lot of high expectations in san francisco with the acquisition of a new quarterback in jimmy garoppolo obviously they fell short after jimmy tore up his knee uh he's coming back with a surgically repaired knee this year love or hate jimmy garoppolo will make the pro bowl this coming season barring injury uh, pro bowl pro bowl mm. i'll say hate because I think it's really difficult to come back from an injury like that and in that first year be back to where you were. He is a very good quarterback. But remember, he's a very good quarterback with very, very, very little experience. And I think that's the key. He was signed to, a, well, traded to the Niners and then signed to a big deal because of basically half of a season. And then he went down with the injury. He looks, he looks the part. He's got everything going. I just don't love the team that they've really built around him, to be completely honest with you. I don't. I don't know if the Niners have a good enough receiving core outside of tight end with George Kittle that is going to allow Garoppolo to truly shine. What they have is a really, really good running back core. You've got Freedom. You've got Tevin Coleman, who they brought in this year. You've got Jarek McKinnon coming back from injury. Mm -hmm. All in the running back position. I think you're going to see a lot of running and maybe some screen passes, but I'm not sure that's going to lead to a Pro Bowl for Jimmy Garoppolo, unless, I don't know, Marquise Goodwin is unstoppable on deep routes and he just throws for a bajillion yards. So, no, I'll say I'll say hate. Uh, I'm, I'm also uh, going to say hate. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lynch mentioned only uh, having a few starts. Num uh, number 10 is the number of starts that Jimmy Garoppolo has as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he's been hurt each of the seasons that he's actually been able to, to be the starter. He got hurt with the shoulder in New England. He got hurt with the – and really, there was no contact when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. His knee just kind of buckled, and that was that. Uh, Lynch again mentioned it. The receiving core isn't awesome, although Marquise Goodwin won, uh, uh, what is a 100-yard dash against uh, Deshaun Jackson yesterday for a million dollars. Uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, equate to a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns being thrown. If he does make the Pro Bowl, it's because everybody makes the Pro Bowl. And when guys, seriously, when guys decide to pass in the Pro Bowl, like the next guy decides to pass, then those guys that know they probably shouldn't be there in the first place always want to make sure they accept. Garoppolo strikes me as a guy that's going to be one of those dudes that shouldn't really be in the Pro Bowl, but everybody else passed. And so he's there. Right now, the San Francisco 49ers just don't have enough on the receiving end. I love my guy, Ken. Kendrick Bourne, he's right here from the Northwest, right from Portland, played uh, football in Seattle. However, uh, this team is just not ready for what Jimmy Garoppolo is trying to do. So uh, for that, no, he's not going to make the Pro Bowl this year, possibly next year. Yeah, I didn't realize that he had only 10. I knew it was right around a season, but I mean, he's like a third of a season short of actually uh, under his belt. 
Um, so to be honest, we don't know what he can do yet. Yeah, we have no was, idea what he can do. It was that half season with the Niners, and then a couple games, or sorry, with the Patriots, and then a couple games with the Niners, and then you're like, well, all right. Uh, it was really a couple games with the Patriots. You know, they he got hurt on the second game of yeah. the four that Brady was going to be out, and then Jacoby Brissett played the next That's two right. games. So, then, but then he came back and played. Didn't he come no, back he didn't after Brissett? I don't think so. He didn't come back after that. That no, was that. He, that was season-ending injury. He busted up his shoulder for the season that that year, and. Brady came back and um, won a championship. <laughs> yeah, no, he. the one thing that, I mean, he's proven that he has the ability, just hasn't proven the ability to stay on the field. That's a that's and that's, that's, that's a huge part of it. That's a big part of it, yeah. Uh, with that said, our winner today is Rashad. All right. That's, that's what we call a makeup call because I should have won last week, but I'll definitely take uh, winning this week. Uh, I have no idea. I want to do a... You want to do that Madden thing next? Let's I mean, do we only that have Madden a couple thing. minutes, but we can do it. Let's do that Madden thing. We're going to do that Madden thing when we come back next on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ah, I love this music. It's been a really long time since I've heard this. Like, I have been feel like I've been losing a lot. I don't like it, Jesse, just to be honest. I feel like you only lost last week. You had won before that. Did I? I don't remember. I, I think, I'm, I think I've won three of the last five, but that doesn't... I feel you, like we haven't heard the song in a long time. you've won two of them, so it's basically tied. I suppose. I suppose. Except I was winning. But basically. I mean, basically tied. That's all right. You're, you're like me. You feel like if you lost, you, you haven't won in a year. Yes. Like it's, I don't like uh, it. I'm not. I'm not a great loser. Yeah. Just, you know. I'm, I'm, There's not a lot of people that are great losers. Yeah. I'm, and I think if you are a great loser, that says more about you. Like, oh man, well, at least I tried. Thank you, but like, yeah. No, I want there to be some anger behind that. You know where there was a lot of anger is when anybody picked the Atlanta Falcons uh, playing Madden, especially Madden 04. Anything uh, after Madden 04, if Mike Vick was playing, Michael Vick. Here's the cool part: was never ever a 99 overall rated player. Never, never on Madden. I think the best he was was like 91 or 92. I think at very best he was right around there. Why? Because he couldn't really throw the ball as well as people. But, man, once you got the rolling left and you could either throw the ball to Peerless Price or Brian Finneran <laughs> out there, well, really on, a, on one of those bullet passes. Stupid Peerless Price on that game with Vic. Yeah. It was of course, t- it was t- you went online and played, right. and everyone, everyone picked the Falcons. Absolutely. The it, was, Falcons, it was a race to get to the Falcons first. The Falcons were the Golden State Warriors of 2K now. Like, you absolutely get them because you know Mike Vick is going to go crazy the way Steph would. But um, I think Michael Vick is the most unstoppable player in Madden's history. Yep. Like, he was he was to Madden what Bo Jackson was to Tech Mobile. Yep. Like, you pick Bo Jackson and the Raiders, and then you do that up-down combination that you do to, to run away from whomever was you were playing against and touchdown Bo Jackson. Like, that's kind of how I feel about Michael Vick playing this game. 100% agree. He, he is the most unstoppable player in the history of Madden because it was the first time that the game tried to implement a running quarterback into their game. And now it's fairly common, so you'll see running quarterbacks. They'll have Im- impacts, but... The, the speed at, at which he ran in the game, it would go past everybody. Yeah. He could run 70-yard touchdown every time. There's certain plays on rollouts where if you cleared one side of the field, he'd only have to beat one cornerback. Totally, totally unfair. I, I think offensively, like, Mike Vick 
Peyton Manning again when when they got the the quarterback vision stuff like Peyton Manning's was like all over the field so you can just really pick any button and he was pretty much going to make that pass but defensively here's one of the most underrated parts of Madden nobody ever talks about right Ray Lewis they made the hit stick for Ray Lewis you know now you can just you know press up on the right stick and you'll do a big hit now you can press down and do a like a, a chop you know like a, a low hit and everything but Ray Lewis is the reason they made that. Like, he was a 99 for, like, five or six matches. And if you pick Baltimore, you had him and then Ed Reed in the in the secondary? Yeah, those – the Ravens used to be super unfair to play against on defense. Offensively, they you would score three points. But defensively, they would perform shutouts all the time. The one that I thought of when you brought this up, and it's more of a recent one, and this is probably more because of how I played the game, I use the tight end a lot because they're always open in Madden. So Gronk was unstoppable. Oh, Gronk is unstoppable in every Madden. Because like, he he's he's always open because he's doing those little short tight end routes, and then he's bigger than everybody. So it just becomes way easier. Man, I just usually send Gronk on a fly route or something like that and make it one-on-one with him and a defender, and it, that's that's almost a guaranteed you know, 10, 15 yards every time. Also right. picking a guy like Von Miller and just yeah. doing one little move on Absolutely. the edge. Like 30 sack seasons. J.J. Watt. Um, Randy Moss with Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that connection was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you think about a guy like Jerry Rice um, in the earlier editions. He was just absolutely unstoppable, caught everything. LaDamian Tomlinson. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, there there were some good ones. I think I think literally, though. Like, and Mike Allstott. Mike yeah, Allstott oh, yeah. on Madden. If you got Tampa Bay, man, if, Mike Allstott could run right if through you. If you got to the goal line, instant touchdown. Absolutely. The other thing I was thinking about, too, this is not Madden, but in the last, maybe second to last iteration of NCAA football before they got rid of it, running was so easy in that game. I remember playing, no matter what team I was playing as, I was having 200-yard rushing games every single game. And I'm talking on the higher difficulties, too. It was, the the running lanes were just like highways. I want them to bring back NCAA football because that was awesome as far as importing your guys from we that all, into we Madden. We all want that. That was great. Come on, California EA Sports. California brought us one more step closer to that this, this last week, right? We're almost there. Bring it back, please. And get rid of the stupid recruiting system they put in late. Bring back the old recruiting system with the phone calls and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Don't make me assign points to recruit. I didn't like that. I didn't either. And I never used them all. So. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening and texting in the Better You Today text line at 55305. Don't forget, Sprague and Quick today at 3 to 5, talking NBA free agency. We'll be back with full shows this week, except for, of course, on 4th of July. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you next weekend, Sunday, 9 to 11. See you then. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 